Sundays, preparation. The action, acceptance. The outcome, positioning. The attitude, luck. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Imagine if you have a test you haven't studied for. By not studying, haven't you prepared yourself to fail? And maybe you didn't meditate for hours on how you plan to deal with the consequences, but you prepared nonetheless. Initially, it sounds paradoxical, but think about it. If you don't prepare, you are literally preparing yourself to fail. The exciting part of life is that we're always preparing for what's next. So we always have a chance to improve how we prepare. Whether you prepare to lose or prepare to win, there's nothing you venture into that you're unprepared for. I'm in no way advocating for trying to plan out every single step in your journey. Maybe one day, some unlucky soul will be the first person to have everything go as planned. But from what I understand, it hasn't been done yet. Planning and preparing are not equivalent, even though they often overlap. To live a planned life is to remain within the constraints of your imagination as you attempt to reach a desired destination. To live a prepared life is to embrace the overwhelming likelihood that those constraints will be broken and to be optimistic that it'll be for the better regardless. Now, I'm not anti-planning either. At the end of the day, planning is how things get done. This hand over fist relationship between planning and executing drives progress. Planning is, in fact, preparing to execute. So it's essential to any journey. But what happens when things don't go as planned? The best thing we could prepare for is what happens after the moment we decide to let go. What do I mean by let go here? Let go of our fears, our doubts, our pessimism towards what may go wrong. Let go of our ego that tells us that everything's about us and this world's only happening to us. Let go of that voice inside our heads that panics when things don't go exactly as we mapped it out. Let go of what we thought we knew for the sake of embracing what we've yet to learn. Let go of the part of us that thinks it's separate from everything else in the universe. On the other side of that moment of letting go, our real lives start. Of course, this doesn't mean all of our issues evaporate and our lives become a cakewalk, but there is a place to be found in losing the part of us that really never existed and shredding up the story we've been writing since birth that places us at the eye of every storm. We become unbreakable. I know this not because I've seen it in a movie or read in a book, but because I lived it. I just hope it doesn't take you as long as it took me to realize when it's time to let go. In Poland, I could feel that a big change was coming. In my mind, it was the calm before the storm and I was on the brink of receiving everything I wanted. I trained my body as well as my mind and really focused on strengthening what a lot of people would call the spirit. I began to understand myself more than ever and it was as if each day another puzzle piece appeared, perfectly placed where I needed it to go. I even changed up my diet and became pescatarian to cut down on inflammation in my body. I made all those changes to become a better basketball player, and they worked in real time. I felt more confident in my own skin than I ever had before. People noticed it. I walked and talked differently because I was thinking differently. I enjoyed looking at the world with a new perspective. 
After that dunk in my last game, I was certain about what was coming next. My best summer of training yet, followed by a real shot to make it into the NBA. I came home prepared. Around 9 p.m. on 2018, I sat outside by the pool at my best friend's house talking about a bunch of nothing. We talked about our plans for the next few years, possibly living together with my brother Yoani, and just loving life. We talked about our exes and laughed about the situations we kept finding ourselves in time and time again. Then something came over me and I got serious. You been feeling funny lately? Like, like something about to happen? I asked as I looked up at the full flower moon. I mean, it's the summer. Boys gotta grind. It's not like we was in school when it was time to relax. Nah, man. Like, things are about to change. I don't know if it's for the better or worse, but you know that feeling when something's on the way? I've been having it lately. I knew you ain't about to tell me you and such and such got a seed on the way. Oh my God, bro, no, don't, don't even joke like that. Absolutely not. I would not be this calm if that was the case. I was about to say. He stood up, cocked back the mimic getting ready to hit me. We started laughing, but I couldn't get my mind off of it. There was this eerie feeling in the air, but I didn't want to continue to dampen the mood. We made plans to link up that Friday and dapped each other up. I began to head home. I drove up the quiet city line Ave, thinking about whose birthday I might have forgotten or whether some kind of anniversary was approaching, but nothing came to mind. I walked into the loft and started my soundbar up to play music while I pulled some Tupperware from the fridge. Thank God for my mother and her amazing cooking. After I ate, I watched some TV before doing my nightly routine and getting into bed. Three hours later, without an ounce of sleep, I got back up and started to get dressed. As someone who has spent a lot of their life overthinking, I found solace in basketball for one reason above all. It was the only time I wasn't thinking. The happiest and most present I have ever been is on the basketball court, where none of my problems matter. Between those four lines, the rest of the world doesn't exist and all is fair. Completely symmetrical from end to end with a perfectly round ball to split the difference between what's in our control and what isn't. The game is balanced in its purest form. That's why I played. Because basketball, unlike a lot of this world, made sense to me and welcomed me with open arms. Moments like that night were when I needed that balance the most. So I got in my car and began to drive up towards the main line. I don't remember why, but I took the long way heading to Villanova. Usually, I would leave my house, take Bremar Avenue, up across City Ave, and take Montgomery all the way up to school. That night, I went straight up to City Ave, past the JCC, and drove down Haverford. It was foggy out. Not necessarily unusual for the summer in such a naturally humid city, but also not helping my mood. I blasted Free Spirit by Drake featuring Rick Ross, singing along at the top of my lungs to drown out the voice in my head telling me to panic. Around 3.30 a.m., I rushed into the locker room as if I was late for practice and got dressed in a similar, hurried fashion. The sooner I got to the floor, the better. 
45 minutes later, I was in an all-out sweat, putting myself through dribbling drills and shooting from random spot after random spot. My speaker blasted as the scorer's table in the middle of the gym, and my phone lay right beside it, charging. I walked over to change the song, and without a moment's notice, the entire gym went dark. The speaker was charging, so it turned off too. And because it was about a quarter till five, the gym was pitch black, like can't see your hand in front of your face type dark. I grabbed my phone and walked out of the gym towards the locker room. This wasn't the first time the lights had gone out in the Davis Center, but this was the first time I was alone for it. The locker room was always the best spot to be when it happened because there were lights in there that turned on in case of an emergency. That night, even those emergency lights were off. I walked back towards the gym, cautiously, low-key scared out of my mind because unlike every other power outage, there was no storm to cue this one up. I entered the gym and walked towards the scores table from muscle memory with my phone's dim light illuminating the way. Mind you, this is before the flash update. When I got to the exact same spot I stood when the lights turned off, the gym lit back up. I figured that experience was mind-clearing enough. So I grabbed my speaker and chargers and went to the locker room. I showered up, confused and beside myself about what had just happened. I chalked it up to a coincidence before laying down on the reclining chairs at the front of the locker room. Hours later, I was woken up by the guys coming in for their early morning lift. I decided to head home and spent the most of the day relaxing before going to play for the first time since I came back to the States. I walked into the gym and saw one of my best friends, Kira, with a smile and her camera. She said she was getting back into photography and was coming by to take pictures of a few of the players she had worked with. Neither one of us knew it, but the pics that she took that night would be the last of me playing. After about two games, I got into a rhythm, and at the top of the third, I stuck my hand in the passing lane for a steal. I took the ball the length of the court, and the guy who threw the pass ran past me to slow me up. My guy, the guy who the pass was intended for, went for a chase down block and an attempt knocked me out of the air. After a few minutes of theatrics, I was being helped off the court on my way towards my rental car. Kira drove me to the hospital and through all the wincing and joking, the only notable thing I said to her was, a lot of writing is about to get done. A week later, I sat on my couch with my foot elevated waiting to hear the results from my MRI scan. I had never suffered any major injuries before, and my initial diagnosis was a tough sprain. Gotta love our medical system. I wasn't worried though, because in my mind, I was gonna be back on the court by the end of the summer. The only thing that concerned me was my inability to use my left leg from the knee down. My phone rang, and it was my doctor with the results. Okay, have they told you results yet? They said a sprain, so what's that? Uh, a few months of being out? Yeah, they were wrong. Would you like to hear them? It took everything in me not to snap at them. Of course I would like to hear why my leg looks like something off Nutty Professor. So that scan shows a torn ACL, LCL, PCL. You ripped your hamstring from the bone that connects it to the bottom half of your femur, a part of your calf muscle ruptured, and I'm guessing the lack of feeling from the knee down was caused by some nerve ending being severed with the hamstring and quad connect, but they won't know for sure until surgery. 
So in short, if I were you, I would think of another career. Until then, I'd only cry that hard when I lost loved ones. My friends and family who stopped by in the following days said I looked lost. They were absolutely right. I was home in Philly. I was comfortable and appreciative of having my family around me, but I had never felt more dejected in my life. In the months that followed, my life seemed to fall apart. I fell out with family members and friends alike, lost romantic relationships, and for the first time in my life, I seriously contemplated suicide. Metaphorically, this was my desert. No oasis in sight, no friends or family, just the wind's periodic howl and the omnipresence of something greater than me. Then, about a month after my surgery, while watching Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, an idea came to me. What if everything that was happening was right on time, and more importantly, I was prepared? The peace I had found along with the spiritual strengthening I had gone through in Poland, the diet changes that made my body run at its most efficient rate, and the mental sharpening I had undergone weren't for ball. It all led to that moment, sitting in my apartment alone and broken, with the only comfort being my optimism towards the future. My life was just beginning. It just took me three years, multiple failed plans, and a lot of pain to realize it. I didn't write this book to save anyone from going through something similar to what I have. Those tough times are necessary for our growth. And as Bob Marley said, some says it's all a part of it. We've got to fulfill the book. These dark chapters in our lives may be hard to accept as a part of that book, but those hardest times are also the times when we find out how bright we really can shine. For the caterpillar, it was the cocoon. For me, it was the years following my injury. And for you, well, I don't know. But I wrote this book you're reading for one reason above all else, to let you know that in those darkest times, you are not alone.